Hey, happy Father's Day to you. I hope you love seeing some stuff blown up. That one was for the guys. You know, one thing that sometimes frustrates me about church is that on Mother's Day, we take time to honor and celebrate how awesome moms are. And then sometimes on Father's Day, we just want to make the dads feel like they're horrible and never do a good job. But this Father's Day is different. That's why I got my super dad shirt on to celebrate all the super dads at South Bay. In fact, I believe that there is a disproportionate number of dads here at South Bay that are really trying to live for and honor God with their lives. And today is about honoring you for your faithfulness and to challenge all of us to continue to step up to higher levels of leadership in our homes and in our personal lives. That's why today I'm so excited to introduce you to our speaker, Ephraim Smith. But before I do that, I just want to take a quick time out and tell, tell you about where we're going over these next few weeks here at South Bay Church. We're going to start next Sunday a brand new series called That's What He Said, where we're talking about the promises of God. And then I want to encourage you to mark your calendars for July 13th when we kick off a brand new message series called Pull Your Head Out of Your App, where we're going to talk about how technology oftentimes is ruining our lives and how to get control of it, to tame it, and to utilize it to help us build the kind of lives that honor and please Jesus. So I encourage you to mark your calendars and start thinking about who you're going to invite to join you that day as we kick off that new series. Now, for our speaker today, Ephraim Smith, he's going to bring an incredible message that I believe that you're going to be blessed by. Ephraim is the leader of World Impact, which is an incredible ministry that's making a difference with urban poor, raising up leaders, planting churches, and seeing the mission of Jesus accomplished here on planet Earth. Now, Ephraim is a husband, he's a father, he's an itinerant speaker for Kingdom Building Ministries, which made a huge difference in Stacy and I life. He's spoken at conferences all over the world, including the Global Leadership Summit, which impacts over 100,000 leaders. He's written great books, a book called uh, Jump, another book called Hip Hop Church, which I love the title of that. And he started a church in Minnesota that made a huge difference called Sanctuary Covenant Church. And today you're going to be blessed by him. I want to encourage you to open up your heart, your mind, take notes as God speaks to us through his servant, through his word, Ephraim Smith. Let's put our hands together as he comes to speak to us today. Well, I am so honored to be here at South Bay and just grateful to uh, Pastor Andy for inviting me, uh, especially uh, to give a message on, on Father's Day. So I hope uh, to be used by God to be a blessing uh, today. I'm going to read to you from Exodus uh, chapter 3. There, there's a word found in the third chapter of the book of Exodus, and I'm going to read a, a number of verses uh, from this chapter to set the foundation for what I want to share with you today. Exodus chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. It says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. 
And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this will be the sign for you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent, you, has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, The Lord the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. From this text, I want to speak to you on the title, The Life of a Liberated Man. The Life of a Liberated Man. God, I pray that this would be your message, that ultimately, God, you are speaking, and I'm just the vessel that you've decided to use to say what you want to say to these, your beloved children, my sisters and brothers. God, I desire to be obedient to your word, so please let it be done. In Jesus' name, amen. The life of a liberated man. I had the opportunity four years ago to go to the country of Kenya on the continent of Africa. And uh, one of the days that I was there, I was uh, outside of the city of Nairobi in a small village of uh, a group of people called the Maasai people. And while I was in this village, I had an opportunity to see a ceremony marking boys becoming men. Uh, this ceremony where they are walking into manhood towards being husbands and fathers, godly men. And the ceremony that I saw, these men, these boys that were about to be men, were all dressed the same, and they danced together, and they sang songs. And when they were done with their dance and with their singing, the, the men, the fathers, the husbands of the village came around them, and they were declared men. So I went to the, one of the elders, one of the fathers in the village, and I said, that, that's all they had to do? All they had to do was just dress the same, uh, do a dance, and sing a few songs, and they were declared men. I like that. that. That's good. He said, no. He said, that's actually the end of the journey. He said, it began when they all came out, and in front of the whole village, they were circumcised. I said, really? I, I said, I think if I was in that village, I would be a boy for a long time. They'd say, come out and be a man. I said, no, okay. 
So a- after that, weeks later, they go out in groups of five and they have to kill a lion. They will not be declared men. They can't walk into a life of being husbands and fathers and productive men in the village until they kill a lion. And this is how they do it. They go out in groups of five and four boys have a spear and one boy has this long wooded instrument. It's called a lion tamer. It's, it's thin and until at the very top. It, it's really heavy and it's all made of wood. And so they go out in, in, in the, and they find a lion that's asleep during the day. And in most cases, that means it's a male lion. So the male lion, while the woman lion is out hunting, uh, it's the male lion is, it, during the day is mainly just sleeping. Uh, and, and, uh, and so they, they wake the lion up. The boy with the lion tamer, his job is to take it and he hits the lion, wakes him up, and gets the lion to chase him. Which really is not bad because when a lion first wakes up, he's not at full speed. Because he's groggy, he's probably not going to run as fast as he really can. And so the boy's hoping he's not as fast as he normally is. And then the boy also better hope that he himself is as fast as he's ever been in his life, right? And so the lion chases him. And then the other boys with the four spears, they jump out and they stab the lion till he dies. I know, if you're a fan of Lion King, that's a sad story. You're like, oh, Simba, Mufasa. That's a sad story. Now, if the first boy is still alive, they cut off the mane and they put the mane around that boy's neck. It represents the most bravery. And one day he could be in line to be an elder chief in the village. The other four boys, they cut off a paw and they make a necklace with the paw. And then that's when each of those small groups come back and then together they dress the same. They do their dances. They sing their songs and then they are declared men. They are ready now to go into the journey of being good husbands and fathers and godly men. Now there are two things I don't like about that story. One I don't really want to kill a lion to be a man. You know? And second, you know, I believe in equality, so I'm like, what do the girls do to become women? I mean, they, they should you know, bring back a monkey foot, kill a giraffe, something. Don't you think? They should have to do something. But, you know, that, that story, witnessing that, the end of that ceremony, made me think about, in my own country, in the culture in which I live, how does... A young man know that he's ready to step into the journey of being a husband, a father, a godly man. How does one know that they're empowered to be a husband, a father, a godly man? I mean, if I had to dance into my manhood, I mean, my wife and my daughters are here, and they, they, they know that I, I'm not a very good dancer. I'm just, I'm so, if I had to dance, now maybe I could sing my way into manhood, you know, and that could be the culmination of the ceremony, but if I had to dance my way into fatherhood, into being a good husband, a godly man, that would be awkward for me, and my rhythm's off. Some dads may feel like that. Awkward trying to find your rhythm, trying to find your dance, trying to find your place in being a godly father. I believe, though, in Exodus 3, this is not the story in Moses' life necessarily of the road to fatherhood. It is a journey 
a place in his life that could inform being a godly father. See, God wants Moses to have a sense of freedom of being liberated by God so that he is prepared to liberate an oppressed people. To feel the empowerment of God in such a way, to, to, to be freed and liberated by God in such a way that his very life now can liberate others. You know, we live in a culture today, we live in a world today where young people, they, they are susceptible to being oppressed, weighed down by so many issues and challenges in today's world. In this upside down crazy world, young people are susceptible to being oppressed, but, but God wants to liberate parents. God wants to empower parents in a way that their lives can be empowerment and freedom to the children that they raise. What does it mean to be a freed dad that, that opens up the possibilities for children to live in freedom in Christ Jesus and through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? What does it mean for a father to be liberated so that their children are liberated? God speaks to Moses and he's, he's saying to him, you, you are standing on holy ground. Take off your shoes. The ground you are standing on, the foundation you're standing on is me. The one burning in the bush right in front of you is me. The one who is speaking to you? That voice is God Almighty. What does it mean for a father to know that he's standing on godly ground as a dad? What does it mean for a dad to know that God is present, burning in front of him? What does it mean for a dad to know that God's voice can actually inform us fathers on how to be Godly dads, liberated men who liberate, freed fathers who free the children that are around us through the power of God. God says this very ground you're standing on, Moses, is the very place where the people that become free are going to stand with you. Which means if, if we as dads stand on a good foundation, if we stand on good ground, we can raise children that stand on good ground. We can raise kids that stand on a godly foundation. Where are you standing? What is burning in front of your life? Can you hear God speaking to you about your mission as a dad? Well, there's three points that I want to present to you from this exchange between God and Moses and I want to venture into the fourth chapter of Exodus and I want to talk through it in order to present three points for fathers. Three points of what it means to be a liberated man who liberates and how I parent my children. 
So uh, what happens is after God is speaking to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, showing up in the burning bush, reminding Moses that he's standing on God's creation and to take off his shoes, and he begins to give Moses his mission to live a life that leads to the freedom of the whole nation of Israel. The whole chosen people of God are going to be set free because of Moses. And what Moses says is, no, hey, I, I, I didn't sign up for this. This, this is not me. Uh, God, I, I hear you speaking, but I am not the one. Unfortunately, many, far too many children are growing up today without the presence of their fathers because some dads check out at the very beginning. I can't do that. You're pregnant. What? I, I don't know. I, 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 whoo, I don't think I can do that. Hey, I'm sorry. Hey, I, 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 I can't raise a kid. Be somebody's daddy. Whoo, not me. You don't know. Oh, man, I wasn't expecting the relationship to get to this point. Oh, you know, some, unfortunately, that's, we live in this world where some dads check out at the very beginning. That's what Moses was trying to do. He was trying to check out of his assignment at the very beginning. At the very moment that God said, this is your mission, Moses was saying, not me. And he was coming up with a series of excuses of why he's not the one to live a life of freedom that sets people free. So uh, the first thing that God says to Moses is he says, what's that in your hand? And Moses, it's a staff because that's the the tool, the instrument that he's using to uh, oversee the flock, to be a good shepherd. He's got a staff in his hand. So God in Exodus chapter 4 says, throw that staff on the ground. And Moses does, and it becomes a snake. And so it's slithering on the ground. The staff that was in his hand is now a snake slithering on the ground. And God says, pick it up. Huh. I'm just telling you. Um, you know, I, I just, my wife told me this, and, and so I, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, embarrass her or anything, but, you know, we, we, we're originally from Minnesota, and so uh, we had heard when we moved to the Bay Area of Northern California, and we live way out in the Outer East Bay, that there was a chance we could see snakes where we live. There's a golf course by my house. I've never seen this golfing in Minnesota. There was a sign. It said, watch for snakes. You know, I was ready to stop golfing right then as soon as I saw that sign. My wife says this, and I agree with her. If we see a snake, you know, well, she says she would get on an airplane back to Minnesota. I'm like, I'll probably be thinking about that too. Like, I'm just saying, maybe you are just so snake-orientated that snakes don't bother you. But like me, if I saw a snake, I'm running first. Second, I'm not even thinking about picking it up. My daughter, one of my daughters told me her first week at school, like a boy had found a snake at the school, just slithering somewhere outside, and he picked it up and was like, <laughs> yeah, he was snake orientated, not me. I don't have snake orientation. I don't have, I, 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 I don't, there's nothing in me that, that says, man, I'd like to have a snake as a friend. Nothing. <laughs> and so God says to Moses, pick up the snake. What does that symbolize? The snake, the first time we see a snake in scripture, it's, it's tempting Adam and Eve to disobey God. The snake 
in the scriptures many times is a symbol of a liar, of an accuser, of Satan, of the enemy. So here's a snake symbolically at the feet of Moses, reminding him of his inadequacies, reminding him of his sins. See, here's the first point. If, if you're going to be a liberated dad, if you're going to be a liberated man who liberates your children, liberates others, we need to allow as, as dads God to liberate our story. Would you allow God to liberate your story? God to liberate your past? Because that's what that snake was doing at the feet of Moses, reminding him that he grew up without his dad. Did you know that? When Moses was born, there was a word put out that all baby boys that looked like him were to be murdered. So his mom had to give him up. So Moses grew up without knowing his father, without knowing his biological mother. So maybe there were some issues there. The snake is reminding him of that. You know that Moses was a murderer? He killed somebody. So maybe the snake is there reminding him how can you be a liberated man? How can you set a people free when you didn't even know your own dad? You didn't even know your biological mother. You, you, you grew up with an identity crisis. You, you killed somebody, Moses. Are you kidding me? But God says, pick the snake up. The, the very symbol that is haunting you, that is accusing you, that is making you feel inadequate, that there's no shot for you to be a godly father, pick up that snake, and when he picks it up, it becomes a staff again, and now it is the very symbol of the tool that is going to be used to divide the waters that the oppressed people will walk through to freedom. God wants to liberate your story. God wants to liberate your past. The things that were haunting you, that are making you feel from your past that you're not a good dad, that you're not a good man, that you're inadequate, that you're not qualified. God wants to liberate your story, liberate your past so that you're free now. And maybe the very stories that have, that have haunted you, you can use those stories now to heal your own children. Maybe by your children seeing you be freed from your past is something that you can pass down that will free them. Let your stories be your testimonies. Let your past point to God's promise. Now let me say this. There are some stories from your past that maybe some of them need to stay between you and God. <laughs> but, but there are other stories that God will take from your past and use them to liberate your own children. Are you willing to let God liberate your past? Liberate your story. Take your childhood stuff. Take the stuff before you became a Christian. And it now is your testimony. It empowers you to be a dad. And pass something on to your children that they don't have to be haunted by what you were haunted by. Now, you would think that this would have convinced Moses, but no. Moses is still debating God. I'm not qualified. I'm not the one. Hey, I, I didn't sign up for this. So, so God says, okay, Moses, this is what I want you to do. Take your hand and put it under your shirt. 
That's the next thing we read about in Exodus chapter 4. He says, take your hand, put it under your shirt, now take it out. And when Moses took out his hand, the Bible says it was leprous. It was diseased. Then God said, now take that hand, that diseased hand, that leprous hand, and put it under your shirt again. And he he said, now pull it out again. And when he did, his hand was healed. It was like it had never happened before. The next point I want to present to you is, will you allow God to liberate your soul? See, when, when, when God said, put your hand under your shirt, some, some versions of the Bible say that he told him to put his hand into his chest. Now, he couldn't really do that. I mean, that would have been gross. I mean, he would have killed himself trying to do that, right? When he said, put it, what he was trying to, what he, what, what he was showing Moses is when he pulled his hand out and it was diseased, he was saying, that is what the inside of you looks like. You're hurting, Moses. The reason you don't think that you can liberate a a, a nation of people, the reason you feel unqualified, the reason you're trying to talk me out of sending you to set a people free is because on the inside of you, you're hurting. You're broken. Would you allow God to heal, strengthen, comfort, build up, the inside of who you are. Is your soul hurting? That, and, and, and what does that mean? The way you're thinking. Are you carrying things around in your head? Are you carrying things around in your heart? Are there stresses? Are there burdens? Are there weights that are keeping you from sleeping at night? Are are you weighed down by decisions that you have to make? By challenges that are in front of you? There are just so many plates spinning in your life and you're trying as best you can in your own power, in your own might to deal with financial stuff or family stuff or stuff at work or stuff with your house or whatever it is and it's just weighting you down and God wants to heal your soul by taking those weights off you and putting them on him that's why in the gospel of Matthew Jesus says come unto me all ye that labor all ye that are heavy laden all of you that your soul is 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 just is just full of the muck and the garbage and the mess of life put that on me and take who i am and put that on you jesus says my yoke is easy it's light take that Would you allow God to liberate your soul, to work in your feelings, in your thoughts, so that your inside and your outside can be aligned? The reason why Moses' hand was diseased is because how he looked on the outside and who he really was on the inside was not lined up. God wants to heal your soul. So you can be the dad that God has created you to be. Now you'd think that 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 did it. Now Moses is saying, okay, I'm ready to go now. I am ready to go and be used by God to set people free. But no, Moses is still debating with God. He says to God, you know what? 
Here's the reason I cannot live this call. Here's the reason I can't really live into this mission of being a liberated person that liberates others. The reason I can't do this is because I don't speak well. I stutter. I'm terrible at speaking. You do not want to put me in front of Pharaoh. You do not, you do not want me to deliver a speech. I'm horrible at speaking. I'm not, I'm not very good. So, uh, you know, send somebody else. You know, it's like the dad that says, you, 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 what's the question? You want to talk about what? Ask your mom. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't really, I, you know, your, your mom's good, better at talking about stuff like that than me. I, Moses saying, I don't speak well. God has said, God says to Moses, I will be your voice. I will speak for you. I will speak through you. Are you willing not only to allow God to liberate your story, liberate your soul, but would you allow God to liberate your voice? That powerful, transformative words would come through your mouth as a father. Will you allow God to speak to you in a way that you can speak as a godly father into the lives of your children? That they may, they, that truth and, and reconciliation and healing and power might infiltrate them because of the words that you speak to them. Your words are powerful. But first, you have to be healed from any words that are haunting you. You know, when I was a kid, they used to have this really silly saying. It used to go, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I don't know if little kids still say that today on the playground or when they're in elementary school. But that was a defense mechanism for kids. If you were being talked about, teased, made fun of, what you could say back is, you know what? Sticks and stones may, may hurt my bones, but words will never hurt me. Shut up. Ha. But, you know, to be honest, words do hurt. They do bruise. They do cut. Words do damage. Some of us have had damage done to us by words. And we need the words of God to dismantle and replace Words that may have been spoken at us, over us, that did damage. Will you allow God's voice to be the dominant voice in your life? Will you allow God to speak? And when God is speaking to you, you, you'll become amazed at the things that you say to your children. Things that you're like, I don't know where I got that from. I, I couldn't have made that up. That had to be God. I mean, every once in a while, I say stuff to my kids that i like, I don't know where that came from. I think that was God. Whew. All right. Because when God is the dominant voice in your life, God can be the primary voice through your life. You know, um, in tennis, uh, two of the most dominant tennis players um, th that I've known over recent years are, are Venus and Serena Williams. I mean, they've won Wimbledon. They've won the French Open. I mean, they've won just about every major. I mean, they, Venus and Serena Williams are, are like just awesome tennis players. Venus, the older sister, was asked uh, a few years ago, so did you always know you were going to be great? I mean, when did you know you had the ability to, to be a champion, to be one of the best tennis players in the world? And she said, well, I've known that since I was a little girl. She said, when Serena and I were little, when our dad would tuck us in at night, our dad would say, you're beautiful, 
You're a queen. You're a champion. You're going to win Wimbledon. You're going to be the best tennis player in the world. You're beautiful. You're a queen. You're going to be a champion. You are all that. You are going to win majors. You are going to be the best tennis players ever. And she said, so I'm just living what my dad spoke into me. Ah, will my children be able to say that about me one day? Will my children be able to say, part of the reason I am where I am and the reason I believe in myself is because of the things my dad said to me? Will your children be able to say that, dad, that that my dad spoke things into me that set me up for greatness, set me up to be a champion? Don't expect these words to come from somebody else. This is crazy as Christian godly people if we think we can send our kids to school, put them in front of a TV, send them to a conference, hope they get the right kind of friends, hope the coach, the football coach or the soccer coach says this to them. No, this is my job as a dad to speak truth and power and love and victory and set up a championship life for my kids. I mean, you can say amen if you want to, but you don't have to. I mean, I'll just say amen all by myself. I know, it's a, it's a little quiet here. I, mean, I, I grew up in the urban context. So I'm used to people like talking back when I'm preaching, like saying, yeah, go ahead then. All right, yeah. You don't have to do this though, but I'm just saying. I just, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a ghetto preacher, you know. <laughs> but uh, will you allow God to liberate your voice? Now, I'm going to close here, but um, if, if, if you don't remember anything else I said, I mean, I hope you remember these words from God and it will fuel you for fatherhood. But you know what? Just let me leave you with this. If you understand the difference between Superman and Batman, you will understand what it means to be a godly father. All you got to do is know the difference between Batman and Superman, and you'll know what it means to be a godly father. Now, I am really into superhero movies. Oh, my goodness. I saw The Avengers a year or so ago three times. I saw, the, 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 in the Batman trilogy, uh, The Dark Knight Rises, I saw that three times. I saw The Amazing Spider-Man reboot. The Amazing Spider-Man reboot 2 came out this year. I saw uh, Iron Man 3. I saw Captain America 2, Winter Soldier. Uh, I saw X-Men, Days of Future Past. Uh, I know that Guardians of the Galaxy is coming out in August. I know that next Next year, uh, Avengers 2, uh, the Age of Ultron is coming out. I also know that in three years, the next X-Men that, that's going to feature a villain called Apocalypse is going to come out. I also know that in 2016, Superman v. Batman's coming out, which is going to feature Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Cyborg, and it's going to set up the Justice League in 2018. I, I do read the Bible, too. I mean, I'm really into superhero movies. I know this. Study this. I have a PhD in comic bookology. <laughs> Here's the difference between Batman and Superman. Man, I, I hope that you don't accuse me of being a heretic. I hope I get invited back. I hope Pastor Andy invites me back. I noticed he had a Superman uh, t-shirt on in the intro video. But I, I just got to tell you this. Please do not be mad. Batman is not a real superhero. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> He's not. He can't fly. He can't see through nothing. He can't run faster than a train. He has no power. All he has is gadgets. He has, he has a bat costume with a bat belt. He's in a bat cave. He's got a bat car, a bat boat, a bat cycle, a bat copter. Just batty, batty, batty. He's got all these gadgets. He wears a mask. He only goes out at night. That's how he lives his life. 
gadgets, under a mask, going out in the dark. But Superman, he's got superpowers. Oh, yeah. And it's not something he puts on. It's something that's in him. He can fly. He don't even need that costume. He could be in, in boxer shorts. and he, he could just fly. It's in him. He can see through walls. He, I mean, he can, he can just breathe on you and freeze you. He can just look at you real hard and burn a hole through something. I mean, he's got super power. He can run faster than a locomotive. He can jump taller than the tallest building. I mean, he's Superman. Do you know that Superman is not even really from here? His citizenship is in another realm. His father resides beyond this place. He's Superman. How do you live your life as a dad? Like Batman? Some dads live under a mask. Their kids don't even know who their dad really is because he wears a mask. And he's got a lot of gadgets. He's got his degrees. He's got wits. He's got like these gadgets. And he's using them the best he can. I know what it's like to be a dad using gadgets wearing a mask in front of my own kids. But man, when you understand what it is to be a Superman daddy, to be a supernatural dad, you will understand that when it comes down to being a godly dad, it's not what you put on, it's what's in you. The Holy Spirit is residing in you, giving you supernatural power to be a dad. Your true eternal father is in another realm called the kingdom of God. And if you are a Christian, that is where your ultimate citizenship is. You are a supernatural being in this upside down broken world called by God to raise godly kids into citizens of the same kingdom that you are part of, fueled by the same God who has empowered you. You're Superman. You don't have to wear a mask. You don't have to have a gadget. You're already the Superman. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and depend on the Holy Spirit, you're Superman Daddy. Oh, I hope you catch this vision. When you're riding home with your wife, just turn to her and say, you didn't know you was married to Superman, did you? <laughs> you know, you can look at your kids and say, I'm Superman. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and some of you, maybe your dad, your husband needs encouragement. You know, you just tell him, you know, I believe in you, Superman. I believe you can do it, Superman. I believe you can, you can father me, Superman. I believe you can be a good husband, Superman. I see the God in you. I see the God in you. God's not done with you. You don't have to wear a mask. From this day forward, be the supernatural, godly man that you've been called to be. God bless you.